0: Hey everyone, welcome to the Blessed Hope Podcast. I am your host, JL, and we're excited that you guys have decided to join us today. Stick around. Today we're going to be going over the armor of God and all aspects of what that entails. So, let's jump into it. Okay, well, to begin today, let's first open up with a word of prayer. Then I want to kind of recap some stuff from last episode and then we're going to jump into this episode. So let's jump and get going. Dear Lord, we just want to praise you and we thank you for giving us the time to get together, to be able to study your word, and to be able just to understand more about the amazingness that you are. Father, I ask right now that whoever the listener is, the listener is wherever it um, they could be traveling, or they could just be chilling at their house, or they could be somewhere remote, somewhere in the city, somewhere on the top of a mountain, Wherever they are, Lord, we ask that you be there with them and let them be able to see the glorious righteousness that is you. I ask right now, Lord, that if they don't know you, that they would find you and they would realize that you can be their salvation and the foundation of their just entire body and and, and mind and soul and spirit. You are that sanctification that we are looking for. So with that, Father, I ask that you be with us today and as we do this episode, and then Lord, allow us to be able just to learn from you in Ephesians and understand why we need the armor of God. And with that, we ask this all through your son's name, Jesus. Amen. Okay, so with today's episode, there are a couple things that I want to kind of recap from last week. If this is your first time listening to us, we want to thank you for being here what the Blessed Hope Podcast is all about, we take a Titus 2 approach and wanting to encourage one another, wanting to be there for one another, really uplift who the body of Christ is and who they are going to be around the world and, and how we should be acting and in these last days and and how we are and how what we should be doing. So if you want to know a little bit more about that, go back and listen to the last episode. But today we're going to be starting our series on the armor of God, and we're the reason why we're doing this. We're specifically going over the individual and what the individual should be dressed and, and, and accustomed and armed and ready to rock and roll for the body of Christ. This is for the believer. If you are a non believer, we welcome you to listen, we welcome you to understand and, and to see this. However, you can't wear this armor, this is something that is only for the believer. Can you become saved? Yes. We're going to be going over that at the end. However, right now, this is specifically for the believer. So if you're listening, you're not a believer uh, and you're not a follower of Jesus Christ, then I would encourage you to keep listening and, and understand that this only applies. If you make that jump, if you finally get down and accept him as your savior and Lord, if you are a believer I've got some other news for you. This is not a, oh, I can wear it today or I can wear it tomorrow. No, you're commanded to do it now. And we're going to get into that. So, as always, I want to remind you that if you do have questions, write them down. You can send them to us at blessedhopepodcast at gmail.com. Or you can find me on Twitter at John Luke T at John Luke T. Best ways to get a hold of us. So, with that, I want to jump in specifically into Ephesians. Chapter 6. That's New Testament. If you're looking for it, if you don't know where it is, just remember, cut the Bible in half and start kind of flipping to the right. Sooner or later, you're going to find it. So, Ephesians chapter 6. Let's get going. So, with Ephesians, there's some interesting things you need to understand. We're going to be going over the armor of God. However, why do you need to have it on? Ephesians is a great chapter or a great book of the Bible to kind of address this because some things that were happening in Ephesians that were real. Uh if you want to know more about that, I would encourage you to go to Acts chapter 17, where they kind of go over a little more what was happening in Ephesus and with the Ephesians. You know, if if any of you ever seen a horror movie, or if you've seen the previews for them, or whatever, uh, for the uh, citizens of Ephesus, this was not a horror movie, this was reality for them. There are demons, there are a whole bunch of nasty people running around, there's magicians, There's. it, it is not a a good place to be a Bible-believing Christian, and yet, that's where they were. So, for them, this was very much needed to be emphasized and put into them. Now, as for us today, is it applicable? Of course it is. And we're going to specifically go over that at the very beginning to um, and to, to understand all that. So today is setting up the ground, the, the foundation, the grounding of why we need the armor of God. And we're going to go over only one piece of the armor. And over the next couple episodes, we'll finish the rest and we're going to tie them all together because you can't have one without the other. And that's the main theme of all the armor of God. You got one piece, you got it all. If you don't have one piece, you don't have any of it. So we're going to be building and putting it together and going about with that. So James Vernon McGee is a really cool pastor. I like one of the things he said about the book of Ephesians. And he goes, uh, because he, he, The book of Ephesians is split into two categories. You have your doctrinal first three chapters, and then you have your so what uh, applicable chapters through four, five, and six. And I really like what he says, kind of describing it. And he says, we leave the mountain peak of the transfiguration and descend into confront a demon possessed world and a skeptical mob. So chapter one, it's all about the calling of the church. Chapter two is about the construction of the church. Chapter three is about the constitution of the church. It's all doctrinal, going over what has Christ done in our lives? How do we build and hold this church together? Then we have the applicable chapters through chapter four, which is the conduct of the church. How should it be acting? Chapter five is the confessions of of the individual and how we interact within the church. And then chapter six is conflict, going out there, in the name of the Lord, and having to deal with the issues that are out there. So, conflict. Well, a lot of people like to think that, oh, we shouldn't be having conflict. We won't have conflict. It's not going to be there. Well, to be honest, that's not true. There's going to be conflict if you like it or not. If you are a believer in Christ, you got conflict coming. And if you don't have conflict, that might be a sign that you've got an issue. And it might be with your understanding of the Lord, and if you're really saved. So if you're not battling to live closer to him and in going through this process, there might be an issue. So let's jump right into it. Ephesians chapter 6, go to verse 10. It says, finally, be strong in the Lord and in the strength of his might. we are going to pause it right there. We've got a lot to kind of cover in just this little section. First off, when he says finally be strong, that is a passive voice. It's a continuous you need to continuously be strong, be it's it's a passive but also in a present tense of you must always be strong and continuously be strong and be mindful in Jesus in our word, in what we do. Uh, it's the same Greek word for miracles that Jesus did on earth. And, and so, and that's kind of unique in the sense of being able to understand, okay, we have to continuously be strong in the Lord as Jesus was. And there, there's a continuous understanding of communication with him being in the word. If you want to know more of what Jesus was thinking, obviously go through the gospels, but also go read the first 41 chapters of Psalms. There's a whole bunch of them that are all about Jesus and what he was thinking. Not all of them, but there's some of them. So go check it out. It's great. The next thing we need to understand is, why do we have to put on the full armor of God? It's so that we can stand firm against the schemes of the devil. So the devil is scheming against us. If you don't think there's a devil, well, there's an issue there. Because the Bible is filled with verses, chapters, all devoted to Describing and and knowing that the devil is not only real, he's active and he is going to come at you. He is scheming against you. If you're already a believer, he's lost that battle. That now his number one goal is making you ineffective. If he can keep you busy doing worried about things in this world and not being worried about the kingdom, then he is one. He's going to keep you out of the game. And that's his goal. So us. As believers, need to be mindful of that. But don't take my word for it. Let's go back to the scripture and we're going to see everything that God tells us. Let's go back and understand more of what the spiritual realm we're dealing with. And with that, Ephesians gives us a step-by-step instruction of the systematic ranking system of the spiritual forces we fight against Today's podcast Bible verse is Romans 8:10 But if Christ is in you then even though your body is subject to death because of sin the spirit gives life because of righteousness mm-hmm. Okay. So with that said, let's jump into verses 12. And now it starts actually from the weakest of the people against us, our opposition to our strongest opposition. So here we go for our struggle is not against flesh and blood. So he's saying completely just skip dealing with the people, the flesh and blood, ignore that, keep moving. And he goes, but against the rulers against the powers, against the world forces of this darkness. So he's going and he's saying like, hey, the people in charge of this evil, those are the ones that we're, that we're fighting against, against the spiritual forces of wickedness. So there's spiritual forces that are manipulating, that are actively pushing against us. And then it says, in the heaven uh, of wickedness in the heavenly places. So we need a timeout. Anyone who thinks that demon Satan is not in heaven... The fallen angels are not in heaven. I hate to tell you this, but they are. Now, there will be cleaning one day. We're going to get into that. That's Revelation 12. Michael and the angels that did not rebel, they're going to clean up. They're going to clean house. However, that has not happened yet. So let's jump to Job chapter 1, and let's understand a little bit to make sure that we know this correctly. Job chapter one, verse six. Now there was a day when the sons of God came to present themselves before the Lord. Sons of God is typically a reference to angels. Okay. And then it says, and Satan also came among them. The Lord said to Satan, from where do you come? Then Satan answered the Lord and said, from roaming about on the earth and walking around on it. The Lord said to Satan, have you, considered my servant Job for the, there is no one like him on earth a blameless and upright man fearing God and turning away from evil so we can see number 1 that the sons of god they come and they will present themselves before the lord as they're required it looks like but then on top of that satan It's able to go before the Father and talk. And we know that he's already accusing us before God the Father, and that's why Jesus intercedes for us. But being able to see it here, even in Old Testament, is just completely baffles me. And how crazy that is that he's able just to go and just talk straight to the Father. But God the Father will talk back to him. But then we see that Satan is able to go from heaven to earth, earth, to heaven. And he's able to go through, and there's a difference. So we can understand that there is a difference in a realm that Satan doesn't have an issue going to either. On top of that, we see that Satan isn't just focused on the father, but he's also focused on man, on on the individual things that we do. And God the father, so he points it out to us, like, have you considered Job, my guy, my awesome dude here? And Satan, he gives an answer. Verse nine, Then Satan answered the Lord, does Job fear God for nothing? Have you not made a hedge about him and his house and all that he has on every side? You have blessed the work of his hands and his possessions have increased in the lamb. So we we see right here that God, he can put a hedge. says no one's touching this person. You're not allowed. You're not allowed to touch him, his family, anything he does, you can't touch. And guess what? Satan has to obey. So it's not this power struggle. I hate to, to make something not about the way Hollywood has set it up, but it's true. It's, it's not this power struggle where God is having to figure out, like, oh man, what am I going to do? No, no. This is a very simple, you're not allowed to do it. And Satan goes, okay, I, I can't do it. But there is reasons for God doing it. There are times, that's why he tells us to put on the full armor, because he wants us to be ready to fight against him, against Satan, we have to be. We have to understand that in the end, God has all power. We have to stand firm in him. Another great example of this. Let's go to the Revelation 12, chapter 7. We we can see how much the Lord actually is about cleaning up one day. Verse 7. And there was a war in heaven. Michael and his angels waging war with the dragon, and the dragon and his angels waged war, and they were not strong enough, and there was no longer a place found for them in heaven. And the great dragon was thrown down, the serpent of old, who is called the devil, and Satan, who deceives the whole world. He has thrown down; he was thrown down to earth, and his angels were thrown down with him. Then I heard a loud voice singing in heaven, saying, Now the salvation and the power of the kingdom of our God and the authority of his Christ have come." For the accuser of our brethren have been thrown down. He who accuses them before our guard, our God, day and night. And they overcame him because of the blood of the lamb and because of the word of their testimony. And they did not love their life even when they faced with death. For this reason, rejoice, O heavens, and you who dwell in them. Woe to the earth and the sea, because the devil has come down to you having great wrath, knowing that he only has a short time. So what we see here is that Satan only has a short time, Satan, um, once he's thrown down to earth here, but currently he is in heaven, he is acting upon what he deems, what he wants to do, and so you need to be ready for that, and understand that there's no, there's nothing you can do, oh, having a whole bunch of crosses at your house, there's nothing you can do with that, Uh, in the end, I mean, he could go before the Father, he could go before holiness, so he can definitely go before anything that you think you can put in your house. On top of that, he can control nature. All you need to do is understand the storms talking about with Jesus on the water. And, and you were able to see that that uh, these things unnaturally come about. And it's, it's one of those things that a lot of people don't understand. But where do those storms come from? And if you don't know where, where I'm talking about, I'm going to jump to it real quick and show you. And it's actually in the book of Matthew. And so let's jump right to it. Okay, it's actually in Mark chapter five, and then it starts at verse 35. Now, I remind you, the disciples here, a lot of them are fishermen. I mean, these guys are sailors. They're, they're used to being on the water, and yet they freak out because a storm comes up out of nowhere. So we'll jump from there, and we're going to see that it's actually something a little bit more deadly. And it's a little bit more spiritual that's there. I mean, is it a real storm? Of course it is. However, there's a hint of, with these guys just seeing the storm the storm come out of nowhere, it's like, well, what's going on here? Was there something behind closed doors? Uh, Pastor Chuck Misler, believes that there is, I actually kind of agree with him that I, I believe that there was something here. He goes on that day when evening came, he said to them, let us go over to the other side, leaving the crowd. They took him along with them in the boat, just as he was. And other boats were with him. And there arose a fierce gale of wind and the waves were breaking over the boat so much that the boat was already filling up. Jesus himself was in the stern asleep, Um, on the cushion and they awoke him and said to him teacher do you not care that we are perishing and he got up and rebuked the wind and said to the sea hush be still and the wind died down and became perfectly calm and he said to them why are you afraid do you still have no faith they became very much afraid and said to one another who then is this that even the wind and the sea obey him guys Even the wind and the sea obey him. And this storm came up out of nowhere. We don't know 100% that it was caused because of spiritual darkness. But we can can see that no matter what, it came out of nowhere. These were sailors who were experienced. And yet they were afraid. So I'm left to believe that it could have been just that. So now with that, I want to kind of transition. We're starting to see that there is... The enemy is out there, but that does not mean that we as believers are not accustomed to having our own protection. All you need to do is go to 2 Kings chapter 6 verses 15 through 17. If you don't know where that is, it's Old Testament. Cut the Bible in half, go left. Sooner or later you'll find it. So once again, that's 2 Kings chapter 6, 15 through 17. And here we go. Now, when the attendant of the man of God, so they're talking about Elisha here. Um, So Elisha had a servant, and he was helping him out, and an attendant, okay? It says, now, when the attendant of the man of God had risen early and gone out, behold, an army with horses and chariots were circling the city. And a servant said to him, alas, my master, what shall we do? So just so you know, there's basically this whole Assyrian army. They're after him. They they want uh, King Aram um really wants him to to elisha to be taken out because he's being given information by God and he's giving it to the um the Israelites who are then able to use it to do what they need to do militarily so he sends the whole army find this guy so they find him in a village they they surround it and then now they're they're gonna kill him okay so now verse six uh, sixteen so he answered do not fear for those who are with us are more than those who are with them Then Elisha prayed and said, O Lord, I pray, open his eyes that he may see. And the Lord opened the servant's eyes, and he saw, and behold, the mountain was full of horses, chariots of fire, all around Elisha. When they came down to him, Elisha prayed to the Lord and said, Strike this people with blindness, and I pray. So he struck them with blindness according to the word of Elisha. So we can see right here that we are not alone. We have, there's a whole bunch of angels and all that. Now, in the end, I would much rather just have the Lord Jesus with us. And a lot of people don't realize that spiritually though, the angels are there as well to help encourage and minister to us. So don't just think there are only bad angels. There's only bad spirits. But in the end, as Paul says, we need to check everything that is given to us. So if there's ever the time of, of going, well, this someone came and they told me this, and, and I think they were an angel, and and so I'm giving it to you. Well, fact check them. Go, okay, well, if you say an angel gave it to you, let's check it back to the Word of God. However, in the end, we're never alone. I really like Oswald Chambers in his book, My Utmost for His Highest, He has a great little piece that he talks about with the light that never fails and that we are never alone. And it comes from 2 Corinthians 3.18, which says, We all with unveiled face beholding the glory of the Lord. And this is um, what he says in this chapter. A servant of God must stand so very much alone that he never realizes he's alone. In the early stages of the Christian life, disappointments will come. People who used to be lights will flicker out, and those who used to stand with us will turn away. We have to get used to it, that we will not even realize we are standing alone. Paul said, No one stood with me, but all forsook me. But the Lord stood with me and strengthened me. Second Timothy chapter 4, 16-17 We must build our faith not on fading lights, but on the light that never fails. When important individuals go away, we are sad until we see that they were meant to go, so that the only one thing is left for us to do, to look into the face of God for ourselves. Allow nothing to keep you from looking with strong determination to the face of God, regarding yourself and your doctrine. And every time you preach, make sure you look God in the face about the message first. Then glory will remain through all of it. A Christian servant is one who looks into the face of God and then goes forth to talk to others. The ministry of Christ is characterized by an abiding glory of which the servant is totally unaware. Moses did not know that the skin of his face shone while he talked with God. Exodus chapter 34 verse 29. He never called on to display our doubts openly or to express the hidden joys and delights of our life with God. The secret of the servant's life is that he stays in tune with God all the time. So you might be asking, okay, when are we going to get to the armor? When are we going to get to the armor? We are, this is all building up, showing a foundation that we need to continuously be in the Lord. We need to continuously know that the enemy is real and they are following us and they are watching us. But in the end, the enemy in us, we are continuously at battle. We are continuously at it. If you go to Daniel chapter 10, you can see clearly that Daniel, he's praying to the Lord. He's asking God. He's like, please give me an answer. Give me an answer. I want to know more. I want, um, Lord, answer my cry my, um, for the, your people's sake. And God answers him. And, and then we find out that second he started praying, We see that an angel was sent, but he was battling against the the prince of Persia. So there's this whole level of spiritual battles that are going on around us, but we might not know. But then we know back in Ephesians, we are commanded to know. We are commanded to be ready. And so with that, we need to know what specifically are his truths. And that leads to our first piece of armor. So back to Ephesians and let's go jump into what is, does it say about truth. Therefore take up the or so verse 13. Therefore take up the full armor of God so that you will be able to resist in the evil day and having done everything to stand firm. Stand firm, therefore, having girded your loins with truth and having put on the breastplate of righteousness. Okay, so let's pause it. We're going to go we're only hitting truth today. The having girded your loins with truth, so that is the belt of truth. And just so you guys understand, Paul's writing in the day where the Romans are in charge. And so there is some applicability with understanding the historical context here. The, the belt was worn as a way, it was, it was protecting the guts, but holding, it was almost like the Batman belt. There were, you could put a lot of stuff to hold your equipment there, but it was also there to kind of protect your, your guts. Anyone who saw it knew that it was designed to also have there was they always would put memorabilia on there so so people knew okay where where they were coming from so there's that level of truth that it it, this is gonna uh, god's truth protects our innards It, it protects who we are at our utmost weakest areas and vulnerable areas but also it is to represent that in our most vulnerable areas christ is there so, what does the Bible say about truth? Remember, we always need to be do, going there and understanding that. So, we let's go to John chapter 1 verse 14 and we see that it says and the word became flesh and dwelt among us and we saw his glory in glory as of the only begotten from the father, full of grace and truth. So we know that the word becomes flesh and that he's filled with grace and truth so we know that jesus is our truth he is our grace he is he is that one who's protecting us there as um, i said but we can add on more to that so we go to john chapter one just a couple of verses later we see 17 and let's make sure what i just said in 14 makes sense for the law was given through moses grace and truth were realized through jesus christ so The law was given through Moses, and grace and truth were realized through Jesus. So Jesus will help us realize that truth. So we need Jesus to have that truth. We need, and he will show it to us. It's not going to be an angel. It's not going to be someone else. No, Jesus is truth. He shows truth. John chapter 17 goes, and 16, 17 really kind of highlight how the Holy Spirit will convict and, and bring people to that realization and Jesus being the truth is that. So there's something to remember that as you read, we go through the armor, when people tell you lies, when people tell you things, take it back to the word of God, take it back to what Jesus says and you'll know if he is truth. So now we're going to go to first John and that's further down the new Testament. Um, John and first John are two different books. So John is one of the gospels. First John um, it's written by the same guy, but a little bit later on in life. So keep going. The best way to do it is open up the back end of your Bible and start going left. Um, and it's pretty close to Revelation. So 1 John chapter 4, verse 6. We are from God. He who knows God listens to us. He who is not from God does not listen to us. By this we know the spirit of truth and the spirit of error. Okay, so we got to pause it right now. We know that if you are from God and you are his, you will listen to the spirit of truth. You will listen um, and be able to know what is the spirit of truth and the spirit of error. You'll be able to know the difference and, and differentiate and be able to divide them. Remember, the sword of the spirit, which we're going to get into later on, is sharper than any two edged thing, and so it can divide and, and 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 split apart. Well, the same thing goes here. His truth which is who God is, Jesus. He's able to show us and teach us between what is right, what is wrong. I mean, one of the best examples to do, guys, start reading Proverbs. Whatever the date is, you go and read Proverbs. So if it's the seventh, you read the seventh, or chapter seven. If it's the 12th, you read chapter 12. And then when the the month restarts, you restart, and you go through and start looking at that and look at the truths that God has there, just applicable things in your life. Then you can start reading through the Gospels. You can see the truth of who Jesus was, who he claimed to be. So when someone tells you, oh, he never claimed to be God, you can say, oh, yes, he did. And here are the verses to show he did. When people say, oh, well, he, 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 he was just a good guy. You can say, oh, no, 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 he was more than just a good guy. He was more than just a prophet. He was a son of God. He died three days in the grave and then rose again, and he is living this day. So we need to have that on on us to protect us. So when we walk around, people will know that we have the truth, but that we have to be guarded by the truth. So guys, this is not only a defensive weapon, but it's also a presentation to show everyone there is truth. But you can only have that if you're in the word daily. We've got to be in our word daily continuously, always following what we are told to do. I really like this quote and it says, truth is when the word and the deed become one. I'm going to read that again. Truth is when the word and the deed become one. Guys, I cannot stress it enough that if you're not acting upon the truth, do you really have truth? If you're not acting upon what Jesus has told us to do and how we are to be, he's called us to be holy because he is holy. So guys, we need to look at that. When people claim that science doesn't back up the Bible, I would beg to differ. I would tell them, then you obviously you don't know science and you don't know the scripture because they perfectly, 100% work together. And if science shows it even looks remotely that it's disproving the Bible, it's either A, the science hasn't caught up with the Bible yet, or B, you're not understanding it correctly and it's actually scientifically proving the Bible. So, um there's a there's a saying by one of the head NASA researchers, I forget his name, but he said that one day scientists who, who are achieving to know the the mysteries of the universe and understand where we come from and understand uh, all the intricacies of how the physics and the chemistry works. And as we climb that mountain, one day when the scientists finally, and the researchers and the scholars, and then when they finally get to the top, they're going to realize that the theologians have been waiting there. Guys, our truth is in the word of God. Don't sway from it don't look to your left don't look to your right you keep focused on the word of god and that is truth as we keep moving forward we're going to find out that the other pieces of armor are all built off of truth but then also truth is also built off of those so we're going to keep moving forward with that as the episodes keep going so with that said we're going to start wrapping things up for today's episode we definitely went a little bit longer but i thought it was worth it Okay, guys, well, hopefully you all really enjoyed today's episode of the Blessed Hope Podcast. I was really excited to kind of go over truth, but understand what is that foundation of why we need the the armor of God. There's a real battle going on around us. Spiritually, it is vibrant and, and it is a complete war. So please don't go out here thinking that, oh, you can just live your life without the armor, that you can live your life as you see pleasing. No, there is, we need to be ready every day. When you wake up, you need to be praying. You need to be going, Lord, help me put on the full armor every day so I can adequately go out and battle for you. Now, remember, battling for the Lord does not mean running out here and, and being ignorant. It means that we need to be wise. We need to be decisive on how we interact and what we do. So please, whatever you do, being smart with him. We need to be sharing as Christ shared. We need to be loving as Christ loved, but we need to also be strong in the word as Jesus was strong in the word. I want to remind you guys, please, if you got questions, if you go back and reread the scripture, make sure that whatever we're showing you guys is adequate and accurate. And if you have more questions, you can reach us at blessedhopepodcast at gmail.com, blessedhopepodcast at gmail.com, or follow us on Twitter for more up to date current affairs that we're going to be doing at John Lip-T. On Twitter, it's at John Luke T. So, with that, I do want to end today's Bible um, study going over that. I, I One quick thing. Next. Episode we will have a little bit going over the geopolitical structure of what's happening right now at the northern border of Syria or of uh, Israel and the southern border with Lebanon and Syria and that area. There's some interesting things that we've been hearing. We want to kind of portray that and send that out to you. Next episode we're going over more than just one piece of armor, so be ready to rock and roll. Have your Bible, be ready to be flipping pages. We're going to be going, and I want to end reading. From 2 Corinthians, and I, it's 2 Corinthians chapter 3, verses 4 and 5. Such confidence we have through Christ toward God, not that we are adequate in ourselves to consider anything as coming from ourselves, but our adequacy is from God. Guys, our adequacy comes from God. It comes from the Son. It comes from His love and what He did on the cross. If you're a non-believer right now, I would encourage you to take that step out in faith and confess your sins because He's faithful and just to complete and save you. If you have questions on this, email us. Go find a a Christian and ask them. Open up your your Bible. We'd encourage you to start in um, the Gospel of John. and and, and just start reading, and and just see Jesus' own words, and you're going to see how quickly you realize that narrow is the gate to heaven, and wide is the path to hell. There's so many people out there that are claiming one thing, but in actuality, it's another. But yet, we have love in our Jesus, because he is our truth. So with that said, I'm JL. This is the Blessed Hope Podcast, and we want to thank you for listening. Please follow us Share us. Get the word out. We want to make sure everyone knows that this podcast is to hopefully build you up and edify that blessed hope that's coming back for us one day. See you guys on the next episode.